Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to have you here at Faith Bible Church. We are very excited to have you worshiping with us this Sunday. And I want to just talk to you about the power of an invitation. Uh, we have been traveling for the past three weeks, essentially in our uh, Hope is Here Sunday event. It kind of culminated, or the climax was last week, where we went to the community and had church service there by engaging those individuals who are around us and part of our community. However, one of the things that I wanted to do in this series was say, that's wonderful, that's great, it was a great time. We got to see some new faces, engage the community, hopefully encourage some people for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I also want to say this morning that it doesn't stop there. Um, I don't know about you, but there is something about the power of an invitation. Maybe you all look back in your life and you can remember the first time that you were invited to something. Maybe it was a birthday party, maybe it was an after dinner event or whatever it might be. But I think we'd all agree that there's something special about receiving something in the mail that says, you're wanted, come be part of what's going on. Now, I also want to tell you this. How many of you have ever been at an event where you weren't invited or you didn't feel welcome? You were kind of a party crasher, for lack of a better word, and you kind of looked around and everybody kind of looked at you and said, who's that? Or why is that person there? And I don't know about you, but there were times in my life growing up where I was at events where I didn't feel like I was invited or wanted. And those are hard. But what I want to tell you this morning is, is that we have the power of invitation in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I think that when we engage in understanding that God is a God of invitation, that it will encourage our hearts to go out and invite others to be part of what God is doing. And what I want to tell you is, is it's great, and obviously here at Faith Bible Church, we would love to invite people to this church. That's wonderful. But I also want to say this very clearly. It's not about Faith Bible Church. It's about the kingdom of God. We want to invite people to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if they choose to come to Faith Bible Church, praise God for it. But we also know and recognize that we are part of something greater. We are part of something global. We are also part of something that transcends time and history. We're part of the kingdom of God. So what I want to ask you this morning is simply this. Look back in your life and reflect first and foremost on when did you receive that first invitation and how did you feel? For me, again, I've said it was when I was younger and it was this goofy invitation from a friend of mine that had essentially taken some, uh, you know, uh, what do you, I'm sorry, remember, what do you call it? The, the paper, the colored paper that it, that's there. Thank you. Yes, there we go. Construction paper and kind of put it together and said, you know, will you come to my birthday party? And I was excited about that because number one, I was looking forward to my first birthday party. But number two, I realized that I was wanted. It was important for me to be there. And then other uh, part of that was, was knowing that when I got there, I didn't feel out of place. I had that invitation that said, come, be part of this. Now, I want to take a moment and I want to talk to you. How many of you feel welcome at church? How many of you feel that there is a welcoming God out there? Because I hear stories from individuals and they talk about a God that is this far off God, that is this God who is distant, doesn't care, can't be bothered with us, that's too busy for us, that doesn't want to take the time for us. And what I want to tell you is, is that that's not the truth. We worship a God who loves us, but we also worship a God who is a God of invitation. And we're going to discover that this morning as we look through a variety of different passages in Scripture. And my prayer is, is that as we discover this, we're going to not only see how much God invites, but that that's going to stir our hearts then to be the invitation for God as his ambassadors. So a very simple question that we're asking this morning as we go through, engage, invest, and invite is this. 
why should I extend an invitation to someone I know to come to church? I'm going to poke a little bit and prod a little bit. How many of you are comfortable inviting individuals to church? I see a few hands going up. That's great. Would anybody be willing to be transparent enough and say, I'm uncomfortable inviting friends or people I know to church? Okay, yeah. Appreciate that. There are individuals out there that are like, eh, it makes me a little bit nervous. It is a little bit odd, right? Because we fear that A, they're going to reject us. We fear that maybe we're going to broach into something that you shouldn't talk about, right? What do we not talk about with friends? Religion and politics, right? So here's a little suggestion. First, talk about politics, see how it goes, and then start talking about religion, right? Okay? That's, I mean, that's just the easy, you just test the waters. But why should we invite someone to church? Can I also ask another quick question? How many of you are here because of an invitation? Not necessarily Faith Bible Church, but in your faith, how many of you are here, meaning part of the family of God, because someone reached out to you and said, hey, I care about you. I want you to come to know Jesus. And they took the time to invite and invest in you. Okay? Look at how many hands go up. One of the things that I want to encourage us all in, and again, this isn't about our church, but I do want to say this. Friends, if we look and we begin to pray and say, God, in the next year, I'm going to ask that you just put one individual or one family or one coworker or one person that I interact with in my life that I can begin to engage in spiritual conversations with. And then from that, invite them to church. And it could be here, or it could be somewhere else that's teaching and preaching the message of the gospel. I want you to look around and recognize that in five years, if we do that, even if, even if, we'll just kind of play the, the law of rejection here, even if only 25% of the seed, as we look in that parable, falls on good soil, in five years, this place would be full. We would have to expand. Now again, it's not about us. But what I'm telling you is, if every single one of you would sit and look and say, God, I know that there's someone in my life that you've placed that I could go and just begin to talk about Jesus with them and invite them to Christ and then let you do the work, Lord. One of the things that I'll tell you is this. We are essentially called to plant and to water. We're called to sow the seed, but God is the one who grows the fruit of that ministry. So plant, sow, and let God take care of it. And what I want to tell you is, as we've looked around, we've discovered the idea of inviting someone to church. I'm going to tell you that so many people are more apt to come to church when they feel like they are wanted. But better yet, this morning, I want to show you that it's not just that you're wanted by your friend, you're actually wanted by God. And that's the motivation that I want to encourage you with this morning to say, you know what? It isn't just about Faith Bible Church. It's about coming to know a God who wants you there, who is extending an invitation to each and every one of you and each and every person in the community. God is not a God who sits back and says, I'm full, I'm too busy, you're not good enough, you're not wanted. God is a God who says... Come. Come. And that's what I want to encourage you with. We've asked this question of why should I extend an invitation to someone I know to come to church? And the first thing I want to show you is this, that we discover in the Bible that God is a God of invitation. God wants people to come to him. And to demonstrate that, I think this statistic will blow your mind. Francis Dixon, in God's Amazing Offer to Sinner from Words of Life's ministry, says this, the graciousness of God's invitation is summed up in one word, come. 
there are 642 personal invitations in the Bible to come. And it is God who gives that invitation every single time. Think about that for a minute. 642 times in Scripture, God says to his people, Come. 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 Think about that. Can I throw this out to some of you? How many of you feel like you're wanted by God? Can I ask another question? And it's okay, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you feel like you're not wanted by God? And what I want to show you this morning is this. If you feel that way, I get it, I understand. But what I want to show you is this. Lovingly, all of us are wanted by God. Perhaps in your life, maybe through experience, it's been the church or people who call themselves religious who are the ones that make you feel like God doesn't say, come, or you're not wanted. That's what I want to show you this morning. The scriptures, the God who we worship, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through his story revealed to us 642 times says, come. That's an invitation. Come. And the other thing that I want to show you is this. God goes to such great lengths to authenticate that desire of come that we realize that it's true. How many of you have ever had an invitation that you kind of wonder it's like fake? You're like, yeah, I got invited, but I don't know that they really want me there, right? That's not God. That's not the God that we worship. God not only says it 642 times, but he puts weight behind the invitation. And the weight that he puts behind that invitation is not a construction paper invite. It's the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's his invitation. He says, let me show you how much I want you to come to me. I'm going to go to this length. I'm going to give my one and only son to die on a cross so that you can come to me. And when you do, I'm not going to check if you've got the right dress on I'm not going to check if you're good enough to be there. I'm not going to check if you are impressive enough to be part of my party. I'm going to say, welcome, and you have been invited, and you're wanted and loved by me. That's the God that we worship. And so the other thing that I want to encourage you with is, as we look at the invitation of God, let me show you how much God wants us to be part of his family. It says, while we are, essentially the idea is, while we were still sinners, God invites us to come to him. Think about this. I don't know about you, but as, as nice as I am, right, when I was sending out my birthday party invites, I wasn't sending out my birthday party invites to the kids that I didn't like or were mean to me. They didn't get an invitation. Right? I sent it out to my friends. And interestingly enough, we need to remember and recognize that God sends the invitation to us when we're still sinners. Scripture talks about the fact that when we didn't want God, God still loved us. That's an invitation. Think about the fact that you're sending out an invitation for a birthday or a wedding or whatever, and you're sending that invitation to someone that you know doesn't want or like you. That's love. And that's what God does for each and every one of us. In Isaiah 
Chapter 1, verse 18, the Lord says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Come, come to me. Though your sins are like scarlet, even though your sins are like scarlet, even though you're separated from me, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Right there, in the text of Isaiah, God says, even though you're sinners, even though you're separated from me, I'm saying, come. Come to me through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And even though your sins are like scarlet, they're going to be washed white. Friends, what I want to tell you this morning is this. Some of you might be sitting here wondering if you're good enough to be here, if you really deserve to be here. And what I'm going to tell you is this, newsflash, none of us are. I'm not good enough to be here. I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith. But you know why I'm good enough to be here? Because I worship the one who is. And God is the one who has washed my sins white as snow through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he's done it for me, and he's done it for all of you, and he's done it for the entire community and the entire world around us. And that's the invitation that God gives. And then in Isaiah 45, 22, it says, turn to me. Jesus says, turn to me, essentially. Well, God in the Old Testament. Turn to me and be saved. All you end of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Turn to me, come and be saved. So the thing that I want to show you here is this, that while we're sinners, we have the invitation. But God also says, you got to come to me. Okay? So the other part of this is God extends the invitation. God goes at great lengths to say, you're welcome in my family. You're wanted by me. Six hundred and forty-two times. But the other thing that I want to show you is, is what? We've got to come to him. So my question is posed to you this way. How many of you have been invited but are still rejecting the invitation? Lovingly, what I want to tell you is this. I don't think that you're here this morning just by coincidence. I think you're here by providence. And I think God is slowly but surely saying, I want you here. Meaning, not Faith Bible Church, but in my family. And you just happen to be in Faith Bible Church hearing about God's invitation. And I don't think that that's just random. I think God has designed that in a way for you to hear that God is a God of love, mercy, and grace, and wants you in his family. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying in this that it is an idea of come as you are, stay as you are. We come as a sinner. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. As we know and learn and grow in our God, our hearts should turn more toward God and his holy word and less toward the word, uh, toward the world. However... The invitation is extended to all and anyone. And so the other thing that I want to ask is this. If God is a God of invitation, and God has said come 642 times in Scripture, and God wants individuals in his family, may the church never, ever, ever be the one to say you're not good enough to be here because none of us are. And how many times have I heard stories of individuals who have gone to a church and they have felt that they weren't good enough to be there? If God is the one who invites, if God is the one who says, come as you are and be saved, may the church never, ever, ever say, you're not good enough. Because none of us are. 
While we were still sinners, God invites us to come to him. And then also Jesus invites the weak and burdened to follow him. How many of you out here right now feel heavy laden? I see some heads nodding. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I, I love my life. We're, we're, we're having a great time. But yeah, we're, we're really busy. We are really, really busy. And it's good and it's crazy. But there are days when I look around and I'm like, what day is it? Where do we need to be? Who's where? What's going on? We've got this going on? I didn't know that. How are we going to do this? Where are we going to go? And then the next thing you know, the day comes around and it finishes and we're up again. And it's the same thing over and over and over. Sometimes maybe you feel weak or heavy burdened simply because you're doing the best that you can and whatever situation you're in just feels like this heavy weight on you. And Jesus says, come, those of you that are weak and heavy laden. This is what I love. I want to show you this in Scripture. Matthew 11, 28 and 30, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this passage, and I've always thought through, go to Jesus, and he will give you rest. And interestingly enough, I've actually looked at it wrong. I've thought like rest, okay, come to Jesus, he'll give me rest. It's going to be like a vacation in Tahiti. I'm just going to sit and enjoy my day on the beach and not do anything right? But I love this, and if you ever have a chance, I'm reading a book, John Mark Homer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and in it, he talks about the fact of, what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, come to me, and I will give you a vacation in Tahiti. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. So John Mark Comer in his book says, if Jesus was saying, just come and I'm going to give you a vacation, then why does he ask to put a yoke on us? Because a yoke means work, right? Come to me and take my yoke, okay? Well, obviously in this analogy, the yoke is essentially the apparatus that the oxen have placed on them, and then they go out and they plow the field. And we kind of sit there and we go, well, wait a minute. Jesus says, come to me, even if you're working and you're tired, and I'm going to make you work. That's the analogy. But what he says is, when you're yoked to me, even though you go through life, even though you have to travel through life, even though there are challenges, even though there are difficulties, even though there are obstacles, when you're yoked to me, the burden is light, and I will give you rest. So with that, how many of you see individuals who are following Jesus that you know are busy, but you look at them and you see that the burden is light? That's the kind of rest we want. We want to be able to cast our worries and our cares to Jesus. And I think about this analogy. I think about the fact when challenges come to me, that I'm in the middle of the field with a yoke on my neck, going through, plowing whatever is in front of me. And when I look and I say, whoa, this is getting tough, I look over and guess who's plowing next to me? Jesus. And somehow, some way, in his strength, he is the one that helps me plow that field. Day in and day out. And that's where I find my rest. That's where I find my joy. Jesus invites the weak and burdened to follow him. Friends, this morning, if you feel weak, if you feel burdened, what I want to tell you is simply this. Don't ever think that by coming to Jesus, it means that your life is going to be simple. It means that your life is going to be easy. It means that you're going to be able to go on vacation. Maybe. But oftentimes, I think people fall for this idea that if I just come to Jesus, then everything's going to be perfect. 
And that's not always the truth. And then so when we come to Jesus and we think that everything's going to be perfect and then it isn't, we begin to get mad at God because we feel like God's lied to us. And what I want to tell you is, is we're reading that scripture wrong. God isn't saying, come to me and I'm going to give you a vacation. God isn't saying, come to me and your life is going to be one of ease. But he is saying, come to me and take my yoke upon you. And as you do, I will give you rest. The other thing that we see in scripture is, is the Holy Spirit invites those who are thirsty to be saved. In Revelation 22, verse 17, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Let's talk about this for a minute. The Spirit and the Bride, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit and the Bride, His church say, come. So here's my question is, are we in step with the Spirit? Is the Spirit saying come and we're saying you're not good enough to be here? Is the Spirit saying come, whoever you are, and we're saying sure come, but when you come let's us, let us examine you and if you meet our criteria then we'll let you be part of what's going on? Then we'll accept you? The Spirit and the Bride say come and let him who hears say Come. So another question that I throw out to all of us, have we heard? And if we have heard, are we saying come the same way that the Spirit says come? And then my next question, as I read this, it says whoever is thirsty. Whoever is thirsty, not those whom we like those whom we agree with, those whom have the same political agenda that we do, those who look like we do, those who think like we do. It says, whoever. And friends, oftentimes I see so many thirsty people and what we do is, is we go up to them and we do nothing but pour sand on them than rather than giving them the water of life because we examine them and we see if they're approvable to us before we extend the invitation. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Him or her, okay? Scripturally, this is anyone. And whoever wishes... Let him, her, take the free gift. No stipulations, no cost, no asterisk at the end that says, oh, by the way, free gift of the water of life. That's the God that we worship. Friends, we've talked a little bit about why should I extend an invitation to someone I know to come to church. And essentially what I want to encourage you with this, with this first part is to see that we have a God of invitation. We worship a God of invitation. And so the point of this is it would be one thing for me to stand in a pulpit and say, okay, we need to invite everybody. We need to go out and invite all of these people just so that they can come to church. And then if you were looking in the scriptures and you were looking and you were going, well, I don't, I don't see God inviting anybody. I don't see God going out and telling people to come to him. It would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? But let me flip it on its head. It would also be one thing if I was like, yeah, we need, to, we need to go out and invite and engage and tell people to come. And then you look and you say, you know, as I'm looking through the entirety of Scripture, there's only one point where I see God say, come. <laughs> he does it 642 times. Come, 
come, come, come. And I don't know about you, but if someone continues to say come and extend the invitation, that tells me that I'm wanted. And it also tells me that as I travel through Scripture, as God says, come, and God's people say, nah, we're good, we're fine, we don't need you, we're going to do our own thing, and then they go get in trouble, right? What does God do? Does he say, hey, man, my invitation has expired, you didn't listen to me, sorry, closed, out of business. What does he do? He says, come. Come to me. The people of God start to figure it out, and some come to him, and then life happens, and they do their thing, and they get into the same problem again. Eh, we're good. We don't need you. What does God do? He says, come. People of God do their thing. They don't get you know, what they want, et cetera, et cetera, and God says, okay, this has been my plan forever. This is what I've designed and he says, I'm going to show you, come, come to me. I'm going to give you my son on a cross to die upon it so that as a sinner who's not good enough to be there on their own right, you can have the invitation to come and be part of my kingdom, my harvest, my family. And all you need at the door is the cross of Jesus Christ. And there it is. It's a free gift for anyone that wants it. No stipulations. No condition. Here. Receive. And so friends, what I want to ask is this. What are we doing to demonstrate the God of invitation. If we are followers of Jesus, if we call ourselves Christians, individuals who emulate what God is and what God asks, are we extending the invitation? And so the next point I want to make is this, as God's ambassadors, we are called to invite others to come to the God of invitation. It's mandated in Scripture. It isn't suggested. It's mandated. And so lovingly, what I want to ask is this. How many of us are going out and extending the invitation? We don't have to be perfect evangelists. We don't have to be Billy Graham. But I want to ask you is this. In your walk with Jesus, we've seen earlier that so many of us rose our hand and say, the reason that we were in church, the reason that we came is because someone extended the invitation. Are we doing that? And so the thing that I want to show you is scripturally, we are called to be people who invite individuals to the God of invitation. We should invite people to come and join us at our Sunday gatherings for worship. Okay? Again, it's not Faith Bible Church. I'm not trying to fill our pews. Okay? You worship here. If you want to invite them to come to Faith Bible, great. If they don't come to Faith Bible, that's fine. As long as they go to another church that's teaching and preaching the gospel, it's about the kingdom of God. But are we extending that invitation to people? One of the things that I think is important as we look in Romans 15, 7, it says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. I find this interesting because it says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. And I see so often, again, as I go back, that we look at people with condition, and we examine them, and we kind of say, oh, are they good enough to be here, or should they be here or not, or, oh, I don't know if that person should be in church. And then it hits, and it says, well, wait a minute, we should accept one another just as God accepted you. And I'm going to be honest with you, as I look back on my life, I wasn't good enough to be in church. But here's the key. 
None of us are. None of us are good enough on our own to be here. But we worship the God who is, who's extended the invitation and said, come. And so as Christ has accepted us, may we accept others. See how that goes back? And so when you look and when you see and you examine someone and you look and you go, man, I don't know that they should be in church lovingly, can I tell you? I'm just going to say this. I hope the Holy Spirit just kind of gives you a gib slap across the head and says, neither are you on your own right. But you are wholly and entirely because of me and you're welcome because of what I've done. And then that turns and says, you know what? I want to extend that, the invitation of, uh, of God to that person. God's the one that does the work, but God uses us to be the ones who extend the invitation. Continues on in Mark 9, 41. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives, gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. How many of you are out giving cups of cold water in the name of Jesus Christ? What does that look like? Maybe it is essentially taking someone essentially through the entirety of the message of the gospel, praying with them and leading them to salvation. Maybe it isn't. Maybe as we talk about planting and watering, maybe you're just planting the seed. Maybe you're this person who has a neighbor and you're like, man, I don't know that I, I, I really uh, feel comfortable enough in leading someone to salvation. That's okay. I would encourage you, we've had some classes in the past on how to go about doing that. I would look for those and I would encourage you to be part of that. But even so, are you planting? Are you going maybe to a neighbor who maybe doesn't have a spiritual background and just being Jesus to them? Maybe going over and giving them a cup of cold water in that analogy. Hebrews 10.25 also Friends, a lot of times I see individuals saying, you know, I'm just going to do it on my own. I'm just going to come and, and, and be a follower of Jesus on my own. And I get that. I get sometimes the religious aspect of church has maybe burned an individual, and you're kind of saying, I don't want to be part of a church. But what I want to tell you is scripturally that's not how we're designed, and scripturally that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be followers of Jesus and we're called to engage in worship with the community of believers around us. And if that happens to be Faith Bible Church, praise God for it. If it happens to be another church that's teaching and preaching the gospel, praise God for it. But Hebrews 10.25, it says, Let us not give up on meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. A couple of quick things here. First and foremost, we should not give up on meeting together. That's part of how we're designed. But the other thing that I want to encourage you in is this. Notice that it says, and encouraging one another. Can I ask a, a, just a loving question? How many of you see someone at church and just go up to them and say, it is so good to see you here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for making the effort. Thanks for getting up early and dealing with your kids. Thanks for taking time out of your day as they're running around like crazy to get here on time to hear some guy talk about Jesus. Thank you. And you're always welcome. The other thing, too, that I love, and I don't know about you, I love watching young kids in our service. I love that. I love seeing it. And forgive us when our son runs up here and goes over there, right? But that's the future of the church. And it's so good to see. And so personally, what I want to tell you, family that have kids that are running around, we're right there with you. And I love it. And you're always welcome here.
And can we encourage you? Sometimes it might be hard. Sometimes you might have a hard time. Keep going. Keep persevering. Keep plowing the soil. Because when you're with Christ, you're yoked to him. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Not only should we invite people to come and join us at our Sunday gatherings for worship, but we should invite people to study the Bible. Friends, how we grow in Jesus is by coming to church. That's good. Okay, I'm not saying that's wrong. But how we truly grow in Jesus is studying Jesus. And how we study Jesus is studying his word. And so when we look at that, encourage people to study it. Lovingly, I'm going to tell you, you're never going to figure it all out. Join in the club. If I could figure out the entirety of God who is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, right? Something would be wrong. But keep going. Keep learning. Keep seeing. Ask, seek, knock, and you will find. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active. So friends, if we're inviting people to come and know Jesus, and we're not showing and teaching them the word, or encouraging them to be in the word, and the word is living and active, and the church is dead, disconnect. Perhaps the reason the church is dead is because they're not teaching and preaching the Bible. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even uh, to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Friends, as we look at Scripture and we invite people to it, it penetrates us. It sort of wrenches in us. And what it does is it divides. It divides essentially the self-ruled spirit to the life with Christ. And as we look in the word, as Jesus says, come to me or turn to me, it's the idea of repentance or sanctification. It's the idea of turning away from the old and moving to the new and being renewed in Jesus, of which we all are doing until we go to be with him in glory. And so, friends, here's the deal. The other thing, too, when we invite people to church, don't judge somebody on where you think they are on their journey spiritually. You're just seeing a blip on the radar. And, friends, I have good days and I have bad days. I have days where I feel much closer to God and I have other days where I don't. But what keeps me going what keeps me moving forward, what keeps me engaged is studying the God of the Bible and knowing that God wants me and has invited me and desires me to be there. And that's what drives me to know more and more about the God of invitation. And finally, it says, we should invite people to obey the gospel. Friends, lovingly, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to sound legalistic, but I am trying to encourage all of us to realize that there's an aspect of studying the word, and then there's an aspect of being obedient to it. And so we can study, but as we study, if we say, oh, that's fine, but I'm not going to obey or mold my life to what's asked of me in there, there's another disconnect. And so friends, again, may we invite people to obey the gospel. 1 John 2, 3, and pretty much all of 1 John is the idea of the rubber meets the road, okay? You say this, you profess this, now do it or be it. It says, we know we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And lovingly, what I'm going to tell you is salvation is great, okay? I'm all for salvation. I'm all about people knowing Jesus, but people come to me and they say, how do I know that I'm saved? My response to them is this. Not, 
when did you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? It's, are you obeying the commands of God? Is God important in your life? Are you asking God to mold and shape you more and more into his image? And if their answer is yes, boom, proof is in the pudding. You are saved. Salvation is wonderful. But knowing that you're saved, truly converted by God is the fact that when God is working in your life and your heart is to move more to obedience of his commands and less to the call of the world. That's how you know when you're saved. And then here's the other one. How many of you extended an invitation to someone and you've gotten utterly rejected? Okay? Hurts, doesn't it? Sometimes you begin to think, well, maybe something's wrong with me. What I want to encourage you with this is that this aspect, even if you're inviting and you're being rejected, this is what I want you to see. We should never stop extending invitation to people to come to Jesus. Don't stop. Lovingly, what I'm going to tell you is this. As much as you feel it's personal, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. And this is what I want to show you. Many will make excuses. Simply go and extend the invitation to others. Where do we see this? We see this in Scripture. I'm just going to read this to you because it's pretty much self-explanatory. Luke 14, 15 through 23. Jesus is talking, essentially, and he's talking about the extension of an invitation, and he says this parable. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Think through this for a minute. Jesus invited, when they were all ready for the invitation, Jesus says what? Come. See how God is inviting. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yokes of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. The master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. If God is not a God of invitation, and you've just read this, I don't know how you can compute that God doesn't want you or others in his kingdom. God is going to great lengths to invite people to come to him. Keep going. Keep going final thing I want to encourage you with as we talk about invitation, this is sort of the main aspect that I want to leave us with this morning is this, because God is a God of invitation, because he's the one who says come, as his ambassadors, as followers of Jesus, as the extension or the bride of Christ, may we never stop extending the invitation. Don't ever stop extending the invitation of the gospel to those who God puts in our path. You might get rejected. They might say no. Go and extend to someone else. They might say no. Go and extend it again. Keep going. Keep going. I want to ask one other question. How many of you, lovingly, when someone first extended the invitation to come to church, went immediately? Okay, I see a couple of hands. How many of you, it took a while
As I look back on my life, I had a lot of extensions to go to church. And as I look back on my life, there were a lot of times when I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't want to go to a place where there's a bunch of religious weirdos. And you know what? People kept coming. People kept inviting. People kept encouraging. And then I discovered the God of invitation. The God who says, come. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for you. We thank you for each and every person that's with us this morning. We do lift up those that can't be with us this morning for whatever reason and ask your hand of encouragement and blessing on them. Father, as we look into your word, may we realize just how much you want people to come to you. And Father, if we're sitting here this morning thinking that maybe we're, we're not good enough or maybe we, we shouldn't have the invitation or, or maybe we're, we're just not the right fit, Father, I pray that through this message we would see that you say come. You want all to come to you. And with that, Lord, for those of us that are in Christ, I pray that that would encourage and prick our hearts. Father, may we never, ever be a church that turns and says, sure, there's a God who says come, but we're a church that says you're not good enough to be here. Father, may we too say come. May we encourage people in Christ. May we walk alongside of them in this journey known as the Christian faith encouraging one another, lifting one another up to go and to study the Bible, to look into your word, to obey your commands. And then little by little, as you say you will, you transform our hearts away from a self-ruled life into one that follows you. And Father, thank you for your grace and mercy, which is new each and every morning as we stumble, as we bumble through the Christian faith, having you say, I'm here. I love you and I care for you. And Father, may that love drive us to want to love you more, and in loving you more, may that cause our hearts to want to change, to be more like you and your word. We thank you. We love you. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus. We ask it by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, amen.